You sure are, and we're back here for a Monday evening. Phone lines already open for you to call in, ask Dave a question. Dave Vaughn, of course, is in the hot seat tonight, providing all the answers and information you need about your workplace, your workplace rights, your job, and uh, lack thereof for that matter. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, and one 225 talk That is toll-free. Anytime you, uh, during the show, in between calls, you want to toss an email our way, we'll try to get to that as well. Read them out and answer them. Help at employmenthour.com. As well, Dave, I know you got a couple things to talk about with the week that was, but uh, your thoughts quickly just for uh, a minute or two here on uh, what's happening with GM here in Ontario. As we heard Alex saying, you know, tens of thousands of jobs through the ripple effect will be gone in the next couple of years. Uh, but immediately with GM is in Oshawa, right in that piece of uh, geography there with all those jobs. It's a union shop. That makes a difference, right? Yeah, I was uh, shocked when I saw that news last night. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's still, I think, setting in for a lot of people. Uh, I guess they're they're shutting down the the plant in Oshawa, and then I think in some states as well, there's they're yep. doing some shutdown. So it's pretty far reaching. Um, you know, in terms of the the unionized, yeah, I think a lot of the workers are unionized, so they're obviously governed by the collective agreement. So um, you know, they're going to be basically represented by the union in terms of figuring out what type of a severance package they get. Um, right. I know there are some non-union workers there. And those employees will be entitled to a severance package. Now, the issue, though, becomes um, GM will likely give them working notice of termination. So they'll say, you know, as of, you know, let's say it's today, um, here's a termination letter. Your employment will terminate in, you know, I think, was it to the December, December 2019? December 2019. Right. Yeah, so so they'll, say, they'll say a year. So they'll say, you know, here's 12 months working notice. And GM mm-hmm. gets credit for that, um, for that working notice as part of the common law severance package. So if an employee is entitled right. to 24 months of severance pay, um, they've been given 12 months of working notice, which means the severance package they would get would only be um, 12 months um, on top of that, uh, that working notice. Now, importantly, um, because GM's a, a big employer, their uh, payroll's over 2.5 million, they would have to provide uh, statutory severance under the Employment Standards Act um, as a payment. They can't actually make that working notice, and that's a week per year of okay. service for people who have five years uh, of service or more, um, up to 26 weeks. So um, let's okay. say you're a long-service person. You do get, you know, so there is some guaranteed payment at the end in terms of statutory severance pay, but they can extinguish, you know, a year's worth of, uh, of common law severance pay by just giving working notice, um, which is, uh, you know, seems unfair. Uh, to a lot of people. Yeah, and, and obviously you haven't had yourself had time to pick through the, you know, the the collective bargaining agreement for all the employees down at GM in Oshawa, but generally speaking, you can probably ballpark the fact that the ones that are unionized are not getting anywhere near what common law severance would be, even a 20, 30-year guy. Yeah, if the, the unionized employees usually won't. Yeah, that's right. usually specified in the in the collective agreement. Um, I, I don't know if the, you know this type of situation, um, you know, could have different um, rules that govern it within the collective agreement. I don't know that, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, for the you know, in terms of the unionized or the sorry, the the non-unionized employees, um, every one of them should you know, once they get that termination letter, that termination package, um, should speak to uh, give us a call because um, you know, there's there's a good opportunity if they're if they're doing this to cut costs, there's a good opportunity that the uh, severance package. Um, you know, it is low. So, 
Good possibility. Yeah, good call. There. By the way, that number uh, to get a hold of uh, Dave or Lee or the rest of the team, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. But back to uh, what we we're normally going to talk about for the remainder of the evening. We will take calls on that if people uh, have questions. Again, not too much we can answer as far as unions are concerned. But uh, the week that was, what's uh, what's going on in your corner? Uh, yeah, I actually want to talk about a similar. Uh, it reminded me mm-hmm. of this, um, the, the the GM situation. I dealt with uh, a case. Um, it wasn't in the last. It was probably two months ago or so. Um, and I, I found it interesting because it was a similar type of situation, but the the location was changing. Okay, of this company, okay. um, and they announced the change, um, and it was I think it was approximately a year, but they didn't give a specific date. Okay, so and this change is pretty drastic, especially for some people. It was from one side of the GTA to the other, so there was people who lived on you know further you know that were driving a half an hour that w- it was going to increase their their travel time by. A, over an hour each way. More so for transit people, I guess. Transit, I, yeah. I, I, from what yeah. I remember, the transit wasn't even going to be possible anymore. So it's an obvious wow. constructive dismissal um, because they're changing the terms of employment. Um, the, the work location is a, fund- a very important term. Um, and to, it was a drastic change. And like I said, it, you know, it tripled the, the commute for some people the, in, throughout the whole day um, you know, they're, they're, uh, to get to work and to get back. Now, the pro- so in most cases... What the employer would do would they they'd give a clear, you know, letter, uh, basically notifying the employee of this change. And then in that case, they've at least given some type of notice. It, it, and it sure. was a year. And in a lot of cases, that would that would be reasonable notice. I mean, if someone has, you know, eight to twelve years of service, a lot of the time that's that's going to be right in the wheelhouse of what the, the person would get in terms okay. of a severance package. Right. The problem is they didn't put it in. In like a clear termination letter, they just announced it that you know in 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 this mo- around this month, this is when we're going to be right. changing. So they got absolutely no credit for that severance package or for that working notice. And oh geez, yeah, it was just a situation where you know if you're advising the employer, you're internal there, you would want to you know you want to take advantage of that notice because you do get credit for that. And, you know, you've obviously, you know, whoever made that decision is exposing the company to, you know, a significant, you know, liability that didn't have to be there. That could have just been done, you know, the way I assume Jem will do it, um, which is giving clear working notice of termination. So this will cost the company money because it wasn't defined properly in a well-documented uh, agreement. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, letter, and, right? and to just to show you how, how you know, clear that is uh, the how drastic the situation was if you know we say that someone's worth owed 12 months severance pay the right. company would have to pay them 12 months severance pay whereas they could have just given them working notice of that of that change and nothing would have happened um and they would have fulfilled their obligations so um you know it was you know they, it's still a constructive dismissal but they've given ch- notice of the change so they, they've gotten right. rid of most of that severance pay so that severance package so um it, it's a le- you know good lesson for employers that if you are going to make changes um you know to the terms and conditions of employment um you, one of the ways to do it is to introduce it by giving you know ample notice um which really you know you get credit for that I know something else you want to talk about in that regard, but always bounce over the phones when we can. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. And one triple eight two two five. talk That number is toll-free. Get to uh, to Carlos. Hey, Carlos, good evening. Oh, hey, John. How's it going? Good, brother. What's uh, what's happening with you? Uh, not too much. Uh, just a real uh, quick uh, uh, scenario here. My wife, she was working at one of the uh, brick-and-mortar stores, and uh, she had some issues with some of the employees. She won a uh, temporary leave of absence, 
And subsequently, she's been off for, I would say, maybe like uh, two months. Uh, recently, she received a letter from uh, from her employer basically say, stating that one of the, uh, I guess, temp, eight, uh, uh, temp uh, employees actually compromised her information, but her information only from what I understand. And basically, want to know exactly what could actually uh, be the... Uh, um, the legal implications to that, and uh, where do uh, where do uh, we go, or where does she go from from here? So, what type of information was compromised? Uh, her SIM number, her telephone number, her bank number, uh, and wow. uh, pretty much all the personal info. Okay, and how was it compromised? Was it? Hey, you know what? The letter is not very, very specific. It's it's pretty vague in that regard. That that's pretty much what it said. Okay. Uh, the letter was dated. Uh, I think it was sometime. I think in uh, October, but we received it like three days ago. And well, um, I, I I know it was a kind of a kind of a strike, but I mean, still with something like that, you'd want to like have somebody had that letter delivered. You know what I mean? As quickly and as uh, as uh, yeah, absolutely. So. And it, yeah, in terms of what the uh, you know the, the the remedy is, I assume the employer you know you should make sure that the employer's dealt with it both from uh, you know make sure this person isn't handling her information anymore, um, and hopefully there's been some type of uh, training and, and potentially discipline um, you know involved in that. But um, I would you know just ask the employer what they what they've done to to stop that from happening and what they, you know, what, what were the, the risks, um, you know, what's, what's been exposed, what, uh, you know, what, you know, she should be doing, um, because it's really not an, you know, it's not an employment law issue in terms of, um, there's no, um, you know, it's, it's just about protecting her privacy, right? Well, yeah, the thing is here, here's the issue, right? Because she had issues before with some of the employees there and she wanted the, uh, she went on a stress leave, Okay. And so now I'm wondering, and I don't know whether or not it has anything to do with any other employees who are actually like, you know, edging on the actual... Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. So you think that what happened was that someone was looking in her file and maybe sharing the information? information. Exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, obviously something that it, it's more, I mean, your 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 wife would have rights uh, under privacy legislation. Um, the, you know that we could review with her um, in detail, but I, I think she has to figure out what's going on here, like what actually happened, um, to make sure there's nothing, you know, what to see what can be done about it. Well, to be quite honest, the letter was, you know, like was was pretty. Uh, I don't want to say it was vague, but it, it was pretty descriptive enough. Whereas, you know, there was a, I guess, a privacy issue that was breached, and those uh, those breaches, which I told you, social social insurance, banking information, mm-hmm. her name her address, her telephone number, and subsequently we ended up getting letters in the mail, like, you know, from from one of the banks saying, you know, like, uh, you have banking issues. You, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. I, I just I just don't know exactly, you know, what the recourses would be, you know, from here on in, right? Right. Well, I mean, there's, you know, there's always, you know, the potential of, you know, if there are damages that, um, you know, occurred and, um, you know, people found out this, you know, private information about it, you can get damages um, in terms of uh, against both the company and potentially the person who did it um, for the breach of the privacy. Um, and and so that may be something you want to look into. But I think in a more you know immediate issue is dealing with the, um, you know, the practical issues here, which is making sure the information is secure moving forward and seeing what the company is going to do about it. Right. And, and to, to understand what actually happened. Like Carlos, you said, it appreciate was vague. Your- 
So yeah, you, you, we'll do, you should find out what happened, right? Carlos, appreciate the call. We're going to uh, let you go move on. We still uh, have some time before we take a break and get to, uh, to Shelly. Hey, Shelly, good evening. Hi there. Um, oddly enough, I've got a question about personnel files, too. <laughs> right. Perfect. <laughs> so what goes on at my employer, it's a large employer, and there are two sets of personnel files, but they deny that there are two sets. So the main set is at the HR department, but each department also keeps its own personnel files, which which the employer will not let people see. So I want to know how do I go about getting access to see those files? Because um, I had a new manager start three years ago, and he bragged that he sat and read everybody's files, which I think is inappropriate for a new manager because he was just reading them like a newspaper, I guess. Are you in a union? uh, Unfortunately, yes. Okay. So because, I, I thought deny, that may be the case. You would well, have. They, also, they yeah. also deny to the union that they exist. So the union just waves its hands and says we can't do anything. Yeah. So you you'd have to deal with it through the union. Like there's nothing you can do beyond the union. So if the union's not helping you, you'd have to just keep pushing them on it. So I can tell they, you, in most cases, you really aren't entitled to your your personnel file um, unless there's litigation that's been commenced. So, really? yeah, so you can't, I mean, that's their property. Um, so that's the, the employer's property. So it's not something that you can just demand. I mean, in most so cases, employers do share it, right, yeah. um, from a practical perspective. But um, technically, there's no way, you know, other than when it, within the litigation process to get that information. Okay. Because I have seen the uh, main one in HR a few years ago. And they're allowed to let you, yeah, they're allowed to let you see it. They won't let us see the department ones. And I think the problem is, for me, some previous manager has written something in there and caused problems for me. And this other guy, he shouldn't have been reading them just for something to do anyway. Right. But he's inexperienced. And so I didn't know if there was a way, like through privacy laws, um, that you're allowed to see what's in there in case something's there, there that's not true. Well, the way it would come up is, and I can't speak to the unionized context because you'd have to go through your union and, and it's you know governed by the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. But in the non-unionized context, let's say that your your manager or supervisor is putting all kinds of bad stuff about you in your your file, and but they don't show it to you, okay? Yeah. Which sounds yeah. sounds to be the situation that you're you're concerned about. If they turn around and terminate your employment, they can't rely on those notes because they never presented that to you. They never brought that to your attention. So oh, okay. those notifi- those you know notations, notes, whatever they are, are essentially irrelevant. Um, and so th- from that's the practical um, you know situation. From a you know more a legal perspective, you would be able to get access to it if there was litigation and it's a relevant document. Hmm. So, but there there'd be no right for you to go and ask for the for the whole file. I mean, it, it is their it's their property technically. So um, there would be no right for you to get that. Although. Like I said, the collective agreement may change that. Shelly, appreciate your call. We're going to uh, take a short break. Phone lines are open, ready to fill them up with your calls as well. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on sale, one 225 talk That number is toll-free. It's the Employment Hour, and it's right here on Global News Radio. Dave Vaughn covering all your phone calls tonight. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on sale. And one triple eight two two five talk that is toll free. Uh, we'll get on to termination of employment, but I think you had one more thing to talk about, right, Dave? Before we uh, get back into the calls. Yeah, I had a, uh, a situation recently where my uh, client was uh, was pregnant, or she had given birth, and she was coming mm-hmm. back from a uh, parental leave, 
And she contacted the employer and, and said, you know, I'm coming back in a month. Um, you know, just let me know any details, you know, that, that, that I need to know. And, you know, it took them a while. And she actually had to follow up a couple of times and didn't hear anything. Right. And eventually they come back and they say, actually, you know, we don't, you know, we don't have that position for you anymore. <sighs> and they didn't say this, but it was because the person they hired, you know, the temporary person they hired to repl- replace, to cover the mat leave stayed on. Right. Um, they said, we have a new position, um, and you know, they obviously don't say this, but it was definitely lower. The pay would be the same, but it was a lower position, like less duties, less prestige in the organization, um, and substantially different duties and responsibilities as well. She okay. obviously pointed this out to them and you know, said that she wasn't happy with it, and they then said, okay, well, you can have your old position, but it's going to be at a different location. And it was pretty far uh, away. Really? Um, and again, she says, no, that's not you know, what... The, what, what what's supposed to happen here. Um, you know, I am entitled to my same position or something that's substantially similar. And, um, at that point, uh, they just said, no, we don't, sorry, like you have to take one of those options. So obviously, um, you know, we allege constructive dismissal and, yep. uh, we're able to resolve, you know, once they retained our legal counsel, you know, resolve the case on, uh, you know, for, with a generous severance package. Um, and you know, they, key there was too. It was going to take her, you know, probably a bit longer than usual just because she'd been out of the workforce for a year. Sure. Um, you know, she hadn't, you know, she hadn't had, she'd used her EI. She hadn't had, you know, she hadn't been in contact with her, you know, with you know, her, her colleagues and everything like that. So it is tougher to get a job. And that was recognized in the severance package. Um, but this, this is just a, a terrible way to handle a situation like this for an employer because you're exposing yourself to severance pay. Um, and you're also exposing yourself to human rights damages and bad faith damages because just the whole way they handled it um, was terrible. And uh, and it's just uh, something to, you know, you would think that you wouldn't see this, but we do see it quite often. And it's surprising that, you know, I, you know every time, every week, I, I see a new similar type of case like this. They could have avoided this in what one, two easy steps. Where would that have be, where would that have started from the beginning to avoid this whole mess as the employer? Well, I mean, you should just return the individual right. to her position, and uh, you're, you know, you should be very clear with the person you bring in that it is a temporary, um, you know, position covering a, a parental leave. And um, look, if if you like that person that you brought in and you think they're doing a good job, doesn't mean you can't, you know, find room for them somewhere else uh, within the organization. But you do need to uh, bring bring the, uh, the the individual who took the parental leave um, back and and you know protect their job because that's a statutory protection uh, under the Employment Standards Act and under the Human Rights Code. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell and one triple eight two two five talk. That number is toll free. Talking about termination of employment, is it more difficult to terminate for cause an employee who has worked for the company for a longer period of time as opposed to a newer employee? Yeah, absolutely. Um, with you know establishing just cause for termination, um, and we've talked about this a, a lot of, of, on the show, John, and it's extremely difficult. And you have to, uh, as an employer, you have to go. You know, it's really the burden's on you to show right. that they, that you have just cause. And just cause is you know it's considered the capital punishment of employment law. It is reserved for the worst type of misconduct. And there's really two ways that arises. And the one is one extremely serious breach of, you know, the, the, the employment contract in the sense that, you know, if it's ste- like theft, stealing, um, fraud, violence in the workplace, um, sexual harassment, time theft, uh, you know, not right. basically knowingly not showing up to work and not doing your job. 
Um, those are the are serious instances of misconduct that that doing that once can breach the you know trust necessary to maintain their employment relationship. Um, but um, in most cases, what we see is, is just a number of different um, you know mis- misconduct, um, yeah, a number of different instances of misconduct that an employer relies on. And in that case, you're going to have to have a in that second scenario a number of different. Um, basically, you know, disciplinary letters, you're going to have to have coaching um, and, and show that, you know, you're clear with the individual, the employee about the standard, you know, you're clear about what they're doing wrong, you you know, you've given them right. an opportunity to, to, to fix it, and you've helped them. And that after all that, you can't, you, they, they, you know, they still can't, um, they just still don't get it, and still keep, you know, committing the same misconduct. And, you know, in that type of stuff, that, that's going to be very difficult to establish, um, especially for a long service employee. Um, because it's it's just not believable that you know after 30 years all of a sudden you know there's been a, a year or two where he you know he or she makes some mistakes, it's going to be very difficult to establish cause in that type of scenario. And then in the other case, with one the one serious issue you know instance of misconduct, you know the 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 longer the person's been there, and the you know if their their you know records clean and no previous discipline, even a serious right. mis- you know issue of misconduct might not always be cause with a long service employee when it could be in in other scenarios. Let's get to a uh, phone call in the middle here. Got uh, Nicole on the line. Hey, Nicole, good evening. Yes, good evening. Um, I have a question. I uh, recently sure. went on uh, on uh, short-term sick leave. Um, I have osteoarthritis, and uh, my doctor had some recommendation, uh, you know, to work uh, a couple of days in the office until I get to see a specialist. My workplace rejected it. Um, I did go on short-term disability. I uh, had uh, 55% on the EI. And the workplace was supposed to top it up. They had hired a private insurance company, and uh, the insurance company called me and said, "Well, they, my, uh, I'm not disabled, and they reject my claim, and I should go back to work right away." Mm-hmm. And is that and the I've lot? Worked, I've worked there for close to 27 years. Okay. Wow. And so you got rejected for short-term disability. Are you back at work now? I am back at work. Okay. Um, I did have a conversation uh, with my uh, with my employer briefly last week. Um, I sent them an email because uh, pretty much what they said is they don't uh, really trust doctor's notes because doctors write oh. whatever. Um, so it was pretty ugly. So I uh, I met with them today, and they said, well, we don't have part-time positions in this organization. It is full-time. Uh, if you're sick, just don't come to work, but there's no way we can accommodate you. Wow. So, well, okay, so there's there's actually two issues here, um, yeah. and you're going to want to uh, speak to uh, someone from our firm yeah. about both, yeah, um, yeah, because the fact. one is the denial of uh, disability, yeah. um, which is an insurance issue, which um, which is definitely important and you should look into, yeah. um, and give us a call tomorrow to, to speak to Absolutely. a lawyer about that. Yeah. Um, the other issue is the employment law uh, aspect yeah. of this, because an employer has the duty to accommodate um, you know, your disability to yeah. the point of undue hardship. And from what you've told me, it does not yeah. sound like they've done that at all. Um, no, no, absolutely nothing. I went back to work. Uh, the first thing I did is I got a letter telling yeah. me that my position is full-time uh, in the office and uh, and my uh, pretty much my job description. Yeah, and that's... Um, that's what I got on my last week. Right, I so, <laughs> I mean, for an employer to say you... I mean, that's... 
not believable at all in the sense that, so, like, if you have, you're supposed to work five days and your doctor's saying, what, you're only supposed to work two or three? He said three days um, until I get to see a specialist and come up with a um, predictable right. way of being able to cope at work. Yep. Um, okay. But they didn't even recognize that. Totally outright rejected it. Yeah, so it doesn't seem like they're go, um, you know, trying very hard um, <laughs> to accommodate. And what that would entail would be seeing if they can hire some type of a temporary um, mm-hmm. individual for those two other days. Yes. Or um, having, you know, uh, you know if you, seeing if some other people can... Yeah. You know, for the time being, um, yeah. assist in your in your duties. So, yeah. um, based on what you've told me, it does not look like they've you know fulfilled their no. obligations no, at, at all. Yeah, okay. nothing. It, so, um, it's good you're uh, you know you you can you can see that as well because uh, some people you know they don't they they just take what their their employer is saying at face value. No, I don't. <laughs> and um, yeah. so, are you are you not working now? Oh, no, you, you're back. Working. Yes, I'm back to work. And, okay. Uh, and what I read, and you know, I've been reading quite a bit on the employment. They said, "Don't just leave your job." Um, so I'm not leaving work, but I was planning on calling you because today, after I had the conversation, and they said they cannot accommodate me. Yeah. Um, I thought, okay, it's either Ontario Human Rights, and I need to get a lawyer. So, and I've been there long enough, and it's just a, it's becoming a toxic workplace for me. Yeah, it sounds like um, it. Yeah, I just came back, and uh, it's just not it's not the best environment and i still have to work with these people who pretty much had no empathy forget anything yeah no no how are you right. how are you feeling nothing right and yeah. the fact that they're they're denying basically rejecting your doctor's note um mm-hmm. is absurd i mean an employer can ask for more information for clarification yeah. on you know what the doctors provided but um they, to just reject it outright like that is um you know, and say they can't accommodate is is not right. So you're right. You, you made the right decision not to just quit. Um, yeah. But I would, you know, we do need to deal with this as soon as possible. Sure, sure. So I I, give us a call tomorrow, and uh, we can, you know, ha- walk you through the process because it will take some, uh, just some, um, you know, some communications to them to be clear on uh, where where you stand uh, from a legal perspective. No, uh, Nicole, good call. Thank you for calling in. It was a wise thing to do. That number, by the way, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. We'll get you in touch with Dave and the rest of the guys, and they will uh, take it from there. Indeed, Chris. Thanks for uh, hanging on. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. What's so? What's your concern tonight? Oh, uh, well, thanks for taking my call. Um, sure. So my mom was diagnosed with cancer, uh, lung and brain cancer, about a year and a half ago she's luckily um gotten through it and she's cancer free but she's wow, not good quite ready she, thank you uh, she's not quite ready to go back to work uh she turned 65 in april and at that point her benefits ran out and she's just been living off of cpp uh she's been with the same company for uh around 20 years and so she was on uh long-term disability uh, but that ran out, so she's not sure what to do. She quits. She obviously gets no severance. She doesn't have any savings. So, like, if she was better today, she'd be going back to work until she right work anymore. So, don't really know what she can do. Yeah, that's did her LTD run out, or the car was she cut off? It probably uh, ran out because she was sixty-five, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, in terms of dealing with the employment situation, is she in a union? No. Okay, good. Um, and the reason I say that is just because we could actually assist her with this. Like, you know, we can, because it's, it's not a, like her employment hasn't been terminated, right? She's just Correct. off on, a, on an improved medical leave of absence. Correct. I was 
I told her definitely don't resign your position. Yeah, <laughs> it's the worst thing you could do. Now, when uh, when do you think she'll be ready to return? I know you know you may not have an exact date or anything, but is there any ideas? Um, she's getting better every day, so we're hoping six months. She's just kind of working on her post cancer, uh, like wrapping up that and getting her meds sorted around, and uh, hopefully within six months. Okay, because you know in the, in the meantime. There's pr- there's likely not a lot she can do in terms of um, getting money from the employer or anything like that because to do that you'd have the only way that would be possible was if her employment was frustrated which meant she could never go back and okay. she would get her minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act which would be um, eight weeks termination pay and if it's if it's payrolls over two point five million and I don't know if it is a total of twenty eight no. weeks no it wouldn't be above no no okay. No. So that wouldn't help her because it would only give her it'd give her two basically two months pay, okay. um, which isn't going to go very far. So, um, you know, I, I would you know she the best thing to do here is to, to work to get back you know uh, best she can to get back, and then you know work with her doctor to if there's any you know modifications she needs or accommodations, clearly provide those to the employer well in advance of the return to work date, um, and you know make sure she can get back um, as soon as possible, um, but. And um, you know, if there's if they do give her a, a hard time at all, I, I don't know if they will. But um, if if they if they can't accommodate or um, you know they've replaced her or something like that, then at that point you should definitely call, uh, give us a call. Okay, much appreciated. All right, thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. And that number again: one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And help at employmenthour dot com. Termination of employment. That's our uh, topic as we. Uh, Wait and uh, stand by for more of your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell in one triple eight two two five talk That is toll-free. So someone's only worked for, say, a few months at best. Does that mean they get maybe a week or two of severance, or is there, is there a different uh, different metric there? Yeah, that's a, uh, a great question and something that comes up a lot that uh, you know people have read online. Um, or have heard from friends that there's a specific formula for you know month per year or week per year or something like that, and so they say, oh, I've only been there for you know a year, or I've only been there for six months, so you know what they're offering me, the employer's offering me seems great, mm-hmm. um, and there's no um, you know predetermined like month per year or, or week per year formula. Um, to determine a severance package, we look at age, years of service, position, and any other circumstances that are going to make it. Um, you know, difficult uh, for the person to find a new job. Right. And a short service person is going to get disproportionately higher amount of severance pay than a long-term person. And, you know, you can you can see situations where someone with, you know, six months of employment can get a four-month severance package um, depending on their age and, and years of service. So um, just because you're a short service employee does not mean you're not entitled to severance pay and, doesn't, and you could actually be entitled to, um, you know, a, a significant severance package. Mm-hmm. When it comes to that severance package, um, the, you know the common term people look at is lump sum. Does it have to be in a lump sum, or can they spread it out? How do they pay it, or how can they? What's the option? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Uh, it's something we touched on and, and went over at the start of the show. It uh, employers can um, fulfill all of their common law severance obligations through working notice of termination. So that's the most. That's the, their their first you know obligation is to actually just provide working notice of termination. Right. Um, so if someone's owed 24 months um, under the common law, the the employer could actually say, you know, in two years your employment will terminate, and that would fulfill their obligations. Now, um, the employer has the option though of giving, you know, as pay instead of notice, they, instead of the 
two years working notice, they can say, here's two years of salary. They can right. give it installments. So they could say, you know, you don't have to work, but every month or every two months, we'll pay you, you know, two months worth of salary um, for the time, right. for that time. Um, and then the other way to do it is uh, that, you know, you see sometimes, especially that with longer severance packages, is uh, a salary continuation, but they're not, the, the employee doesn't have to work, but if the employer or if the employee finds a new job during that time, they stop paying them and maybe they pay them, uh, you know, uh, 50% of what's left. So they'd say, you know, we're going to pay you for the next year, but right. if, if at any time you find a job, uh, you tell us and we'll stop paying you and we'll pay you 50% of what's less. And I guess the other way to, to look at it too is an employer could do a, a combination of all those options. So sometimes they'll yeah, say, ask. yeah, here, here's six months working notice and then we'll give you six months uh, a lump sum payment at the end. So there's a the variety of ways to do it, um, and uh, it just depends if you're an employer depends on your objectives and uh, you know and and the maybe the, the money you have on, on on hand and whatnot. Still time for you to call in, ask your questions as well. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell. There's also one triple eight two two five talk. That is toll free. If there is cause in a certain uh, scenario, does the employer sometimes still need to pay severance? Is there ever that situation where that will arise? If in a, you know the the common view out there that and I see it all the time is, if we've you know if the employer believes they have cause for termination, they do not have to pay any severance pay whatsoever. Right. And yep. we I won't get into we already got into how difficult it is to establish cause, so that I won't address that aspect of it. But um, you know under the Employment Standards Act, it's actually to deny the person their minimum entitlements to severance pay, statutory severance pay, and uh, termination pay under the Employment Standards Act, it's actually a, a tougher threshold than cause because you actually have to show willful misconduct. So it has to be, you know, that's it, it, not trivial or condoned. So it actually has to be, you know, willful. Um, so someone who's not performing, and even though you've told them over and over, you're, you're not performing, you need to do a better, better job, you're not meeting these sales targets, that, that can't be willful misconduct. Um, right. So in certain cases, an employer would actually be able to establish cause, but still have to pay the minimum Employment Standards Act uh, entitlements. Going to bounce over to a uh, phone call. Jamie, thank you. How are you uh, this evening? I'm doing good. Um, I have a question for you guys. Um, sure. I've been working at this company where I work for 13 years, and recently I've um, noticed... Um, that I've been getting lesser hours and sometimes when there's more work um, work involved, um, I'm not getting paid overtime. And can I treat that as a um, dismissal? That's a uh, great question. And uh, you know, that's I, happening. So, Jamie, in terms of the hours, yeah, when like. What's the cut, and you know what's like from what what to what? Like, what's it being reduced by? Well, see, right now I'm pretty much um, as a casual employer. Like, they're not giving me like the you know typical forty hours a week like I used to. Okay. Um, so basically, I find my hours are less. Um, like how much, for instance? Well, put put it this way: I've noticed in. I'm losing about roughly 25 hours a week. Wow, that's significant. Uh So that's really affecting my um, income. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been there 13 years, and the thing is that I've I've tried talking to my employer, 
it just seems like it goes in his ear, one ear and out the other. And it's like, well, it's like you can either take it or, or you leave. Can I really um, do something in terms of um, like he's doing, he's, he's basically demoning me. When did he uh, start making these cuts to your hours, Jamie? Uh, about three months ago. Okay, and and ha- you've have you told him you've had you have issues with it? I have, and it seems like he's not very um, understanding of what what I've been um, of my hours, and I've tried approaching him and my boss and telling him, you know, like, uh, I find this to be not fair. Right. um, Because I should get more seniority over somebody who's been there, say, three years. Absolutely. So a reduction in in hours, a significant reduction in hours, like you've described, as well as, you know, obviously a reduction in pay corresponding um, to that, is a constructive dismissal in most cases. Um, So, and I understand that is your question. Now, yes. the issue that you have to, um, you should deal with this quickly, and before do it, dealing with it, you should give us a call because we have to make sure that you haven't um, basically accepted that or acquiesced to that over the last three months. Now, I'm pretty sure you haven't just because you have voice concerns, but I would want to help you, um, you know, just moving forward in terms of how we deal with this, in terms of telling them that it's not acceptable and that if they don't, you know, restore your hours, you will treat it as a constructive dismissal and, and you would want severance pay. Yeah, because you know that I, I haven't signed anything. Um, there's nothing that I've signed in documents. So um, this just basically is new. Like it's um, because, you know, yeah. like. So you do you have to deal with it quickly because if the longer this goes on, Jamie, the more they're going to have a, uh, the employer is going to be able to say, no, no, Jamie, you accepted this. Like we you accepted as a term of employment that we were allowed to cut your hours and you were going to have inconsistent hours. So um, I would you know, strongly encourage you to, to give us a call tomorrow or as soon as you can because um, you need to uh, you know, basically dispute that, that change. And that's basically where we're going to wrap for the uh, the evening, Dave. Nicely done, sir. Jamie, for you as well, and anybody else who wants to follow up and ask more questions or continue on with the conversation they've already had tonight, it's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com. And before you sign any severance offer, you know this already. Always consult severancepaycalculator.com and then call Lior Dave, member of the team and carry on from there. We are done until Wednesday night. Back in here at the same time. On Point with Alex Pearson is up next. Don't go anywhere. It's Global News Radio.